This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass from Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones passes, and in the end zone, touchdown, Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. I am Don Banks, joined by Nick Stevens. Nick, that was... um, Let's, I guess let's dive into the Gordon Hayward injury. That was a jarring, um, really depressing moment for the Celtics last night. I'm trying to wrap my head around it and come up with, has there been an earlier, more devastating injury that anyone suffered since Tom Brady in the 2008 opener against Kansas City? No, and that's a great comp, even though Brady was at that time obviously a three-time Super Bowl champion and long-tenured stalwart of the Patriots. Hayward comes in with all these expectations. This offense is going to be flying high. So many people are looking forward to watching him play for the Celtics. Five minutes, 15 seconds into his career in green, down goes Hayward. It's unbelievable. I literally walked into my house. I turned on my new iPhone, and it just exploded with... Oh, it was a Samsung? I was going to say, wow, <laughs> look at it. Within the first minute, Banks gets the zinger this there week. How about that? Thank you. Ah, uh, Nicely done. Yeah, and it, uh, the first text I got was gruesome injury from a little Boston sports thing I'm on. I open it up, and I just see him like, please don't let it be Hayward. Please don't let it be Hayward. And, of course, it is. And then I see a picture on Twitter of the foot turned sideways. Haven't watched it. I have no not, interest in it. No, I have not seen the actual grotesque uh, <laughs> nature of it. Exactly. I, I, don't, I don't want to. I, I kind of just... I understood exactly what happened. Everybody, um, I was actually watching the Yankees comeback, um, unfortunately. Oh, and I was listening to that on the car ride home from the store, too. That was that was a terrible 15 minutes it in was, Boston sports It was a night. bad night. It was oh. a bad night. But, yeah, I I was just – now, I, I'm not trying to equate Hayward with Brady, but in, in the way that it changed a season in an instant, that's the last time I can remember that. Now, obviously, on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers goes down, and it changed – an awful lot in the NFC, potentially, the entire, not just the NFC North, but the NFC. So there is that feeling as well, but it wasn't five minutes and 15 seconds into the season. I was talking about that week one feel, yep. uh, that game one feel. I can't remember an opening night in the NBA that had that kind of... Um, the biggest free agent going down in the first quarter? Catastrophic moment. Absolutely, absolutely brutal. However... Signs do point to his not immediate. We don't know anything. I'm no doctor, nor do I play one on television or a podcast. But signs do point. Early signs indicate he might be able to come back in time for end of the season or postseason run. Whereas Brady, we knew that was that. And Rodgers, barring a miracle, I can't foresee him coming back in time. So while it is a devastating injury, we saw the resilience of the team last night. Heck, they almost pulled out an open night win without him. Maybe that was on emotion, or right. maybe the team has that much talent. Right. Yeah, it's true. You don't play a doctor, but you do have a rather well-known character. I do. Yes. Every now and then I get confused for one. Exactly. Well, I'm not going to linger on the Yankees' comeback because uh, we're we're all Dallas Keuchel fans now. Well, why uh, not? You just poured time. a little lemon in the wound. Why not a little no, salt no, to I wanna, top it I, off? I want to segue. and Take 20 seconds. Who you got in the Red Sox manager derby? Oh, everyone says it's going to be Alex Cora. Well, he's going when to get... you read 99.9% certainty from those in the know... Is he going to take this job over the other three? And I, I certainly would expect he would, but the, there's the Mets, the Tigers, the Phillies. Would would he say that, that those are easier gigs, that he could have more, I don't know, long, longevity? Wouldn't you go for the dry-age porterhouse dinner? The problem is it comes with a really high-maintenance date. The other places are perfectly fine meals, and you just get to eat it alone or with a friend. This is the most scrutinized job in baseball. It's the most difficult job, but as we've seen, it can also be the most rewarding. Right. I, I'd like, part of me is interested in the garden hire thing. I kind of love the idea of the I old want, skip coming in. I want no part of that. Now, are you on, are you on board with a younger guy like, let's say, a progressive uh, 
recent player who can maybe connect to these guys and has the energy, like a Gabe Kapler. There's somebody I wish they would I want, go down the road with. I, I like Kapler, but I wish he had managing experience. I know he was like a rookie season manager one year, about five years ago. Cora has managed in winter league ball, I believe. Um, and I also I, I kind of like what he would bring to the job in that he's bilingual. He's right. been on the field fairly recently. Um I I like him. I there's a part of me wonders like okay, is he going to be better in his second job? Is this going to be the 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 Phillies hiring Terry Francona, you know? The Patriots uh, hiring Belichick. Right. Or, or the Browns hiring Belichick. You right. know, is this going to be the first job mm-hmm. and he's better in the second job, mm-hmm. which I, it's a funny way to think of it, I guess, going into it. But I I hope it's Cora. Um, I started off thinking Osmus would be good, but now I've moved off of that. I don't want the garden hire. I don't think managing in Minnesota and managing in Boston are anything alike. No. And I, I, yes, I think he'd be he'd be fine, but I don't think he would bring that edge. And frankly, he just got through with a battle uh, with prostate cancer. We just had a manager go through a battle with cancer it's a couple odd years connection, ago. But I'll buy it. I, I just I feel like I want a younger guy, somebody who who brings more energy, and to me that's Cora. So we'll see what happens there. It sounds like uh, Double D Dave mm-hmm. Dombrowski wants to do this quickly, but is isn't there some rule that, that like they can't really make the hire or announce the hire while the Astros are still alive? And does that push this thing? All the way, potentially, potentially. Oh, you can. You can completely pull an A-Rod and Boris and just hop in the booth and announce your giant right. contract during the middle of a World Series broadcast and try and steal someone else's thunder. I remember. Uh, listen, I, I I got my last positive note out of the Red Sox yesterday because it was the 13th anniversary of Dave Roberts Steele. Of course, the Yankees subtweeted them and told them that uh, while the Red Sox thought it was a holiday, the Yankees had a work day. And then I was able to watch Dave Roberts get a big win and go did up three nothing last that? night. They I did. That. They did. It was it was a as the kids slimy. say a savage subtweet. Slimy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Their last title was in '09. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. I know. I hate to say it, Don, but right now I know they things got may the change in a day or two. They got the mojo. My World Series pick was Dodgers Yankees. Yeah. Start. I hate that it's starting to look good, but. Oh, Fernando Valenzuela, where have you Are gone? you old enough to remember? So they played oh, three yeah. times in a five-year span, 77, 78, and 81. Yankees won the first two. Dodgers come back in 81. Fernando. Yeah, the strike year. It's kind of tainted because it was two-thirds. It was Dusty Baker's only only World Series championship ever. Um, and to think of all the arms he's pitched off since then. And I was miserable watching Dodgers-Yankees because back then that meant Tommy Lasorda, and I couldn't stand Now, I'm rooting for these Dodgers because I like Dave Roberts. And I, I find this team kind of likable, but I don't want Yankees-Dodgers. I absolutely don't I, want I Yankees-Dodgers. Would, I would enjoy the throwback. You would. I would. You would. I would. Uh-huh. You know, it's been... It's been a while. I mean, the, those Dodgers teams in the 80s, uh, Garvey and Say, Steve Sachs, and then, of course, Hershiser and Gibson in 88 with the greatest home run ever. Greatest yeah. greatest postseason home run. And I you think. know what we'll get that week? We'll get at least a dozen uh, replays of Jackie Robinson stealing home against Yogi Berra. You know what? Clearly he was out. And if that was in today, you know, they'd replay it from like seven different angles. Mm-hmm. He would have been out. I hate Probably. to say it. Jackie. Jackie was out. That's okay. That that's back in the time when that replay wasn't even a thought, and I Neither part of me wishes we could go back to it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> good point. So yeah, but anyway, all right. Well, let's get back to the NFL. Hey, I actually enjoyed the baseball talk because baseball seems a little more upbeat and competitive as compared to the Muckmeyer sl- injury riddled slog fest that is it's pa- ugly. Parityville, USA. Yeah, and, and Kevin, our friend Kevin Clark from the Ringer has a nice piece out. Basically, the myth of parody he he claims was always just that a myth, uh, but it's not this year because I I something like you know ridiculous amount of underdogs. Twenty two teams. I uh, last Sunday it was underdogs covered. Were you to be that sort of a wagering type? Ten and three. Yeah, I think on the season it's it's ridiculous. It's like sixty percent or something out of mm-hmm. out of whack. But yeah, twenty two out of thirty two teams are at five hundred and above, and yet there feels like there's nothing you can count on in this year's NFL. I mean, we saw the Chiefs finally look mortal, mm-hmm. uh, get taken apart by their personal nemesis, uh, the right. Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Chiefs are the nemesis of the Pats, then the Steelers have the Enigma code it's so for weird, the Chiefs. Right? The Pats own the Steelers. The Steelers own the Chiefs. It's just this big The transitive ASC property, circle. but it uh, uh, doesn't make any sense there. So 
we don't have anything that really can we can really count on this year in the league. And in a way, I think that adds interest because let's be honest, 22 out of 32 teams are at 500 or better believing that this thing is wide open. And as I wrote in my snap judgments on Sunday, the Aaron Rodgers injury throws open the NFC in a way um, that it was not. Now, I know Green Bay wasn't this huge favorite to get to the Super Bowl out of the NFC, but Aaron Rodgers was the best player in that conference. He was the Tom Brady in the AFC. Um, and when with him sidelined, you know, Seattle has to believe, um, Carolina, heck, the Saints now are over 500 for the first time since the end Three of the two. 2013 season. That was the longest such streak in the league. But they're over 500. You know, teams like Detroit, Minnesota. Um, Minnesota, who's got quarterback issues, and they lost their stud rookie running back, so now they're with their second tier back. But they're 4-2. and 4-2 and because and they, they own got a, a great defense. And they own a win over the Packers. I'll tell you what. I hate to say it, but the guy who made the World Series pick that may come true also called the, the hot shot in the NFC. And right now, am I not saying that the Eagles look like the class no. of the NFC or the NFL, period? No, you're not. It, they look like a very, it's a very big win last Thursday night. balanced team. Yeah, they went into Carolina. They got a 28-23 win. Uh, Carson Wentz just continues to kind of you know make uh, another step up, another leap every week. Um, he's a guy that's got... I want to say he's got 16 touchdown passes already, or 13, and he had 16 all of last year. Um, so he's kind of growing uh, week week by week. And even tried to bull his way into the end zone, lowering his shoulder. Zach Ertz uh, has finally r reached his potential. Zach Ertz is in the Kelsey tier now, yeah, right, like the the one A of tight right. ends. Or I mean, if it's Gronk, not then it's, Gronkville, but 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 right right beneath Gronkville. If you buy Gronk, then may we also recommend Kelsey Olson and Ertz. Right. It's and yeah. I, I see what you see did, what did there. there. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, nice. it was an online shopping uh, reference there. Um, so I'm buying the Eagles, but I would I would caution Eagle fans with this. In 2014, which was Chip Kelly's second season, and they go to the playoffs in 2013, and everyone's thinking this is the next great <laughs> NFC East dynasty. They're 9-3 and three after throttling Dallas on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, obviously, and they lose three in a row, end up going 10-6, and six, not making the playoffs. Last year, they start 4-2 and two under rookie coach Doug Peterson. Only one loss worse than right now. Go 7-9. and nine. Do not make the playoffs. So we have seen Philly in two of the last three years get off to a really good start and then die out. Do I think that's going to happen this year? No. I think they're too they're too solid. They're too uh, balanced. They're not going to just hit a seven out of nine losing streak type of thing. But I would caution that ten games is an awful long stretch in the NFL. It it can change everything. Sure, but they did make some smart moves in the off season, bringing in. Some some tent poles on both offense and defense. Blunt still looks like he's got some life in those legs. Chris Long, a smart move on the defensive side. Even if they're not, we've seen this with the Patriots too. The Patriots are missing that leadership. So even if they're not the playmakers that are showing up in the stat columns and in highlights on Sunday nights and Monday mornings, they're making a difference on the team. Plus, the ascension of Wentz is it's really impressive. He looks like he's got a full grasp of the offense. He moves really well. Throws... A great ball from almost any point in the pocket and on the run both ways, too, to his left and to his right. He's really impressive. So let's let's talk Green Bay for a, a minute. Are they are they done without Rodgers? No. I don't think so either. Too much talent. They have two they have two and a half good running backs, you know, and one of those running backs used to be a receiver. And you've got a good tight end and you've got three plus wide receivers. The problem is you have zero healthy offensive tackles again. I know. And that's you know that's not a good equation to be putting Brett Hundley uh behind the B line, the mm -hmm. um you know not the top unit. Hundley's mobile line. but he also is not in full grasp of this offense now and he just he hasn't really made like a full NFL start. So this is a tough spot. Let me ask you, would you which, I mean, oh, Mike McCarthy clapped back pretty hard this week in a press conference. Yeah. I, I invested all the time I wanted to with my guys here. Right. Would you go out and maybe sniff around to somebody mobile who's played some offense like Kaepernick? Uh, if there's any place where he's probably not going to get too much 
grief. I mean, Green Bay's pretty pretty quiet from a press corps point. Or would you try to lure Romo out of the booth, the old Wisconsin favorite son? You know, initially I, I, I thought both of those options were probably pretty solid. I'm starting to come around to what McCarthy is preaching, and that is, look, we did put three years in. Once upon a time, it was Rodgers who got three years, and they needed him then a couple times in relief of uh, injured Brett Favre. Um, Romo, the more I think of it, doesn't make sense to me. And I know he was just on the field, but he's also had three back surgeries. He's also probably not working out to the level that you need an NFL quarterback to be throwing. It would take some time to ramp up. The more I think about it, Romo's not going anywhere and leaving CBS hanging. I think Kaepernick would have been the option that could have walked in and perhaps with the bye week coming up after this week against the Saints in in Lambeau could have made a transition of sorts in that time frame. But clearly doesn't sound like Green Bay has that interest and they're going to ride with Brett Hundley. And I wouldn't be surprised if Brett Hundley didn't, you know, turn out to be a decent uh, a decent option. And I'm and by decent I mean the way Scott Tolzien at least kind of bandaged things together a little bit in 2013 with along with Mike Flynn uh, when Rodgers broke the collarbone on the other side. Right. Yes, he did when he broke the other side. Right. Uh, the left. Yeah, when he broke his this left collarbone. This, this is, is more serious. The throw the throwing side is yeah. bad news. That's why. Seeing him come back anytime, let alone even for the playoffs. Look, if they go 500 the rest of the way, maybe the defense wins a couple of games for them. Maybe they, maybe they're able to, you know, spit glue and scheme their way to it. That might make them a wild card team. But yeah. now I think this makes the Vikings the favored in the NFC North. Yeah, and I wouldn't discount Detroit, even though I know that they've not played great the last couple of weeks. But they still have a lot of offensive firepower. Stafford could get hot. Um, I agree with you. I think we were looking at something. You know, they went eight, seven, and one, and won that division mm-hmm. in 2013. Mm-hmm. When with Rodgers coming back in Week 17 to win uh, at home against Chicago, I want to say with that Randall Cobb late touchdown, and but, then lost in the wild card round to San Francisco. Yeah, in Lambeau. But I could see a scenario where they just kind of barely keep their nose above water, piece it together. And they obviously haven't completely ruled out Rodgers, although surgery seems to indicate his season is over and there will be no late, you know, late December magic this time. A 10-week recovery time would put him at week yeah. 17 possibly, and then you're bringing in somebody who hasn't been able to throw a football in over two months. Yeah. And given all of his natural arm strength, sure, but... You'd, you'd I need, think you got to ride Hundley out for this. Is you'd need this, some of that Russell Wilson magic sprinkled water on him. This is uh, uh, there's no neuro safe for your collarbone, my Nano friend. Nano bubbles or yeah. whatever it's called. So you're basically now looking at Matt Castle midseason for the Patriots 2008. You got plenty of talented wide receivers. You got a decent line. Well, that's once again hurt. This is gonna okay. Here's gonna be the indictment of McCarthy. What kind of coach is McCarthy? Now we're gonna really find out. People have thought, I think, for a while yeah, that, that McCarthy has held Rodgers back. Right. Okay. Or that it's Rodgers covering all manner of sins uh, yes. that Ted Thompson created with the roster. Right, because they uh, never usually take big splashes or big right. dives in free agency. We'll see. I think I think Green Bay is not going to, you know, I don't think they're going to just crumple up into the fetal position and, and go away um, because it's not a great division. And the Vikings have their flaws. The Lions have their flaws. But it's going to make that division a lot more interesting than we thought. All right, so if the Eagles, uh, as we discussed, are the best team, who's the biggest disappointment so far through Week 6? I know one team that came immediately to mind uh, when I posed this question to myself, and that is the Oakland Raiders. Because the Oakland Raiders were supposed to be, I mean, they're 12-4 and last year Mm -hmm. with a young franchise on the ascent quarterback in his prime. This was a team that rightfully could talk Super Bowl, and it did not sound laughable. And look where they are today. Four straight losses. Good teams don't lose four straight games in this league. They really don't. They have not won since Marshawn Lynch put on his dancing shoes late in that week two blowout of the Jets in you think Oakland. bad karma was invited in for I don't dance? think it was good karma they created with that. It was. I know it was celebrated, and it was Marshawn having fun and look at the party, and you could almost hear... Uh, you know, strains of the early 80s Oakland A's playing celebration in the background. But it's a bad look to be kind of dancing while the game is still going on. This team 
has fallen apart. They look so good week one in Tennessee. And, of course, Tennessee now. Everybody's having this sort of topsy-turvy. Everyone is at sea right now. Right. Nobody is stabilized. Yeah. I, I don't know which direction anyone is selling. They look so good week one, and now to lose four straight. 16 points at home against the Chargers? I mean, I get, I get it. He had an acute case of recent Romo back. Right. But still, if you got that kind of running back, you got those kind of— And we're got, talking about Derek Carr, obviously. Yes, Derek Carr's injury. Uh, you got those that kind of talent at receiver, good tight end, multiple running backs going to do receiver. a lot for you. Anybody seen Amari Cooper this year? I mean, literally, right. he has disappeared from that offense. He has not made any impact. Is he does is he hiding an injury that we don't know about? It's they uh, got that great offensive line, a defense they had plenty of time to fix with somebody who people talk about as defensive player of the year, and that in two dollars and twelve cents will get you a small cup. Excuse me, a tall coffee at Starbucks. What a mess. Okay, Michael Rappaport. Um, listen, <laughs> that's Cumble and Farms. The other thing is, the other thing is, this fan base was going to go along. For the ride, as long as this team was winning. Jilt me for Vegas, okay. At least give us two, three winning years before you go. This team is going in the tank, and this fan base is getting very, very, uh, very pissed off with this team because they know losing. They went through 14 years of losing to get to the good stuff, only to have this team say they're relocating. I, I think this thing could get ugly in Oakland if they can't turn it around. These fans will not sit through another bad uh, season of Raiders football. Is it too early to say the Raiders are in do or diesville this Thursday night? We had a great Thursday night game last week. I think it's a huge game for them. Okay, because it's a division foe. It's somebody who's supposed to be the cream of the conference. And you are in a full blown tailspin right now. Yeah. They I, go two and five and they lose to the Chiefs. I think you can. They're in write-offsville. I, I think the other teams you have to consider for biggest disappointment to me would be the Cowboys, under 500, as we already said, only 10 of those uh, in the league, the Titans, the Bucks, the Giants at 1-5. and five. All were supposed to be uh, strong playoff contenders, but I give it to the Raiders. So help me, Zod, if six, eight weeks from now we're talking about a 7-6 and six or an 8-6 and six Giants team, has to lose their entire receiving core so as to turn it around and become the team we thought they could be, or you know, from the ashes rises right. the McAdoo Phoenix. And and but the way they played Sunday night was that more on Denver, Don, or was that the Giants rallying together? I think it was. I think it was the Giants. Giant pride. The Giants finding um, a little bit of offensive rhythm and tempo. The defense playing really well, and I think Denver looked past them. I really did. Denver coming out of a bye. And just like the Falcons coming out of a bye, lay an egg at home mm -hmm. against Miami, blowing a 17-0 halftime lead, the Broncos looked like they just they thought that they would show up and play sharp football, and they didn't. All right, let's w turn very quickly. I cannot let this go. The replay review fiasco in the Jets-Pats game. I'm sorry. Here's my whole point. You can say whatever you want, Alberto Riveron, the new director of officials. You can say it was conclusive. He said a lot, too. He, he, he can call it a slam dunk. But when you've got the past two director of officials, Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, who are now both on Fox and are paid talking heads to talk about these calls, and they both say it wasn't conclusive, it wasn't a slam dunk, if the three guys that the league has trained for this job disagree that, you know, that blatantly, then how can the players, the coaches, or the fans have any confidence whatsoever that anyone knows what what the real call should have been? They can't sell us when they're, they can't even agree with, with the three men who should have the best training and the best uh, ability to understand this rule. That's my point. Have you ever had less of an idea what a catch is in the NFL? And and that's that's it. It 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 has become the catch rule. You know, he lost possession. He didn't lose possession. He bobbled the ball and uh, he, he lost. Well, I, I mean, and he regained possession. There was a moment where the ball was completely we've free from moments. his contact. We've yes, all we've moments. all had we've all had free ball moments. Yes, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but to uh, but like here's what I found so interesting, Don. The second the play happens, 
you see the Patriots players run right over to the official, right. a la Brady going over and explaining the rule in an official's huddle. Right. And say, oh, no, 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 we got that ball. That ball was clean. It was Harmon and Butler both saying that. That the Patriots knew the rule book that much and went to the, the official and started talking him up for the call in their direction. He still called it a touchdown on the field. Absolutely. That's, I, I didn't see it as incontrovertible evidence. I didn't see it as 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 and it's supposed conclusive to in the other direction. Clear and conclusive. And he got the, but he got. And the crazy thing is, it kind of looked like he got the ball back. Right. And how can it be clear and conclusive if two of the three director of officials that are out there don't agree uh, with today's director of well, official? Listen. I I don't buy that. No one can have confidence. The, be it the catch rule or be it this rule, no one can have confidence that anyone definitively knows what the definition of a catch or a fumble is. This may be a long form for another day, but are we so far down the road now that replay has replays benefits are now being outweighed by the negatives? Speaking of replays, we have a Super Bowl rematch coming up Sunday night in Foxborough. We have the Falcons at the Mighty Patriots, and we are going to be joined right now by NBC Sunday Night Football's Michelle Tafoya, the sideline reporter, to talk a little bit of Falcons-Patriots. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. How are you guys? We're well, we're well. Nick Stevens is my co-host, uh, and it is good to talk to you. We obviously have the Sunday Night crew headed back to Foxborough, um, just as in week one, but it's funny, Michelle, how things change in the span of seven weeks. The last time Sunday Night Football was here, of course, there was this uh, air of invincibility surrounding the Patriots, which got promptly punctured that night. Um, this Patriots team has kind of done it a different way, and it hasn't always been pretty to watch. As you assess where New England is right now, standing 4-2, and two, headed into this much-anticipated Super Bowl rematch, what do you see from a Bill Belichick team um, that's starting to show signs of putting it together? Yeah, I, you know, you just can't ever underestimate a Bill Belichick-Tom Brady team because they find ways to use what they have and to get the job done. And it's true year in, year out. Do they always make the Super Bowl? No. When they win it, do they? when they get there, do they always win it? No. But they are always a contender, and you just have to watch for them. Um, it was interesting that opening night when the Chiefs came in and made that that kind of opening statement on the NFL season. And I, I just think this is a team, the Patriots, that that really honestly is cerebral in the way they go about football. And, and not to suggest that other teams aren't, but they they are resilient. They are gritty about it. They just find ways. So. Yeah, I remember everyone talking about a perfect season for them. It's not going to happen. <laughs> that did that did not last four quarters. No, it didn't. So um, it's good. I think it's going to be interesting to watch and continue to see how they get it done. Right now, it's pretty much offensively, but um, you know, we'll see what Atlanta can do. This is going to be a really interesting game. Yeah, Atlanta comes in obviously. <laughs> Uh, ill time for them. They blew a yeah. double-digit lead at home last week against Miami, 17 points. They were 14-point favorites. To set up this game, this particular game, with a blown second-half lead um, against the Patriots team that climbed out of a double-digit 14-point deficit against the Jets, um, that's a little too familiar for your Atlanta Falcon player, coach, and fan at this moment. How much... Um, do you think the Falcons will let this game, the backdrop, be understandably framed by what happened in Houston in early February? You know what? They have said that we had them in week two against Green Bay at home, and they've said, look, there's nothing left over, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, my, my colleague Chris Collinsworth played in and lost two Super Bowls and will tell you that he still thinks about it every single day. <laughs> Um, so it's hard to imagine that they can't, <laughs> you know, have those nightmares. And last week, you're right, I watched that game against Miami. They should not have lost that game. It was brutal. And, and there was one penalty in particular that really cost them that was a really stupid penalty. And I thought, if I'm Dan Quinn, I want to puzzle this guy. What are you thinking? You know, so uh, there were... And they had a shot. 
they had a shot to, to come back and score a touchdown at the end, got picked off. Um, it, it has to be on their mind. And, you know, that that, that was too right. It, the timing was, like, poetic. Are you kidding me? Is this really happening? So we'll see what they're made of. I mean, this is a, this is a massive stage. Everybody knows the storyline. You know, Atlanta is supposed to be offensively a juggernaut. We'll see what they bring. Michelle, do you think this could be a case, though, of the Falcons putting too much pressure on themselves because they were already going to come in here with a head full of vengeance because whether people want to say it or not, this game kind of means more to them just from that standpoint alone. And then when you serve it up alongside another I'll say disappointment where you have a big lead. Now there's two significant games and they have two home losses and they were expecting to be better coming into the game. Obviously the Patriots were as well. If the Patriots yeah. win this game, they could set themselves up for a nice six and two run headed into the bye. And I think most Pats fans in the organization would take that. But if Atlanta gets a third loss, they lose to the Patriots again and they faltered. I think this could set them up as a, a team. Most people would consider mentally weak. Yeah, well, I, I don't think that's a bad point. Um, you know, it's interesting to compare their offense from last year, I'm talking about Atlanta, to this year. And, you know, they lost their, their offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan, and in comes Steve Sarkeesian. And he's, he's calling it a little bit different. And that, to me, is, is interesting. Um, it, it, I, and I wonder why that's happening. Um, so I, it doesn't seem to me that they're using their running game as effectively as they could be. So does that change? I think it might happen this week, and I think Dan Quinn has acknowledged that. But you're right. The mental stuff, the stuff between the ears, is what players are really made of. And the great ones have it, and the good ones have some of it. And, you know, then there's the bunch that just kind of plays on adrenaline and emotion or whatever. But it really is between the ears. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise, especially at the quarterback position. And uh, so, yeah, I think this does set them up for kind of an assessment. Where are you? How tough-minded are you? Uh, what can you get done uh, in this kind of circumstance? And it will tell a very big story uh, if they can come into New England and win. I, I, it would be it would be a very big sign for this team. But you're right. If they lose again, then they just kind of look like they're maybe middle-of-the-road team this year. Michelle, I'd like you... I like that you brought up the mental part of it. You know, we actually had Dan Quinn this offseason, I want to say in June, on the podcast. And I loved everything he said about how they were going to embrace the suck, embrace the memory of that loss, use it for their own motivation to drive them. It it, it sounded like they had exactly the right approach for for such a a potentially catastrophic defeat. Um, Right. And yet, it's all about not what you're saying it's about what you're doing and Matt Ryan to me kind of crystallized the Falcons issues here he is he's thrown six interceptions in his past three games he only threw seven all of last season yeah he had 38 touchdowns last year seven picks he's on a pace for 19 of each this season I just get the sense I mean he made that commercial where he basically said defeat is what should drive you he kind of embraced the whole idea that I'm not going to run away from the Super Bowl loss and yet it's it's time to show it right now and this Falcons team I wonder if it's the problem starts a little bit with Matt Ryan if he has do you see any crisis of confidence do you see anything in his game that says the weight of that loss may be taking its toll you know, I, 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 in week two when we met with him, absolutely not. Um, you know, now at this point in the season, I'm get, it's going to be interesting to talk with him again. And um, but no, he never seems to be lacking confidence. Again, I'm I'm really intrigued by the change in the coordinator and what they're calling and why they're calling things the way that they are. And you know, is the change there? Too big is it? You know, it was Kyle Shanahan just so right for this guy for Matt Ryan, and um, that that to me is really interesting. If you just look at numbers, look at situational stuff, and and determine that it just doesn't seem to be clicking the way it once was. Um, so, look, I I just I, I don't know that there are a hundred ways to slice it, but I just I do know that. That was one of the most brutal Super Bowl losses in the history of man. And to be on the losing end of that and to have 
being, you know, I, I hate to use this word, but being trolled all the time about it. Um, you know, it, it, there's just no way I, I, that that can't impact you in certain situations. Yeah. And so, you know, you've seen guys who are great free throw sh- shooters, and then they get into the playoffs, and suddenly they go on this, they can't, they can't find it, they can't find the bucket from the free throw line, and then they never are good free throw shooters again. And if you're going to tell me that's not a mental thing, I just, I don't believe it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, can one game be that damaging? I believe it can. Yeah, to say that that was a crushing Super Bowl loss is as big an understatement as pumpkin spice right. is overused these days. It's it was, <laughs> it was. I don't know. I, I you know, it's like last year. Seattle said after two years ago they went after Super Bowl forty nine on a kumbaya trip together to Hawaii and that everything was going to be fine. They had a tough season. I mean, what are these guys supposed to say afterward? Uh, they, of course, they're going to say, you know, we're just going to bathe in it and we're going to learn from it. I mean, they can't just say like, oh, yeah, we're just going to sulk and have an off year and hopefully we'll run it back in 2018. If you look right. at Super Bowl 51, the Falcons, they're up 28-3. They're just running roughshod all over the Patriots, splitting out guys that Tevin Coleman just 10 yards on Ninkovich when he scores that touchdown. If the Fal- and, th- and then they said that they just got outpaced and they weren't as physical, and they weren't as well-trained as the Patriots. If they just go back to where they were then, run those formations, and maybe add some of the bunch formations that seem to be confusing the heck out of peop- uh, the Patriots this year, I mean, if the Falcons get back to their little Rubik's Cube offense, they should be able to get after the Pats pretty well. How do you see them attacking the Pats Sunday night? Well, I, I, I could see that happening. I mean, you, you painted a really good picture of what what's what the opportunities are for them. Because, look, this is not an overpowering defense that New England has. They ought to be able to do some things against this, this team. Um, Atlanta has the best center in, in the NFL, and you can say, well, so, so what? I, uh, yeah, they have some weak spots on their offensive line, but they've got a really smart, um, capable offensive line. Matt Ryan should have time, uh, but he also he can get it out quick. I, I do think they're going to have to run the football more. I mean, they've got these two terrific running backs, and I think they're going to have to use them more. I also think uh, you got to incorporate Julio Jones a little bit more. He wasn't, you know, this guy is, a, is as good a wide receiver as I've ever seen, and I just don't know that he's getting as much attention as he should. Now, maybe he's draped in double coverage, but I, I think he's a guy where you could just throw it up and he'll go get it over the defenders. So I'd like to see a little more of that. Um, you know, I, I think I think they have to be balanced. Um, I, 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 I again, it's just it's a mixture of all those things. When you have that many weapons, we don't know if Muhammad Sanu is going to be back yet or not. Um, you, you've got to do stuff with it and and mix it up. So we'll see. It, you know, but again, you can't put anything past the defensive genius that is. Bill Belichick, who can find all kinds of ways. Michelle, thank thank you. And our last question. Uh, yeah. Interestingly, you know, the Aaron Rodgers injury seemingly kind of brought everybody in the NFC kind of a sense of hope and everyone that's a contender. You look up now, there's 22 of the 32 teams in this league at 500 or better. And one of the themes of this season has quickly emerged is that there's there's no greatness. Do you think that's in bottom line? Do you think that's good for the league when there's this much kind of clumped together in terms of parity, or do you think the league is better off when there are the super teams, the great teams that everybody can chase? This season I, seems to have given us that. Yeah, I, I think it's better when you have some greatness, and because um, at least you know when those great matchups are going to happen. I, I'm not talking about one great or two great. You got to have three or four really promising teams. I'd, I'd even take two at this point. No one's emerged so far. We're almost at the halfway mark. I, I really still do like the Chiefs, but to see them get beat the way they did the other night was a little startling. Michelle Tafoya, thanks so much for your time. Michelle and I once shared that tiny little press room cubicle that was uh, <laughs> out at Winter Park, the uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, press facility. I guess you could call that. It was basically a large closet, wasn't it, Michelle? That's right. That Now they're moving to Egan, and we'll see. I know. Uh, thanks for the time. Uh, NBC Sunday Night Football, Michelle Tafoya. Thanks for coming on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. All the best. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. We will look forward to see Michelle Tafoya on the call on the sideline Sunday night. But you know what? I'm hopeful that this matchup is going to be a little bit more 
competitive maybe than opening night Kansas City New England. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say more competitive or compelling than Super Bowl Fifty One. No, that was absolutely that was not. reasonably entertaining. Absolutely not. No, that was in all the papers the next day. That was big. Don, I see the Falcons as a very similar team who, like we talked about with Michelle briefly, possibly putting too much pressure on themselves. Yeah. Now, if they look, if it weren't for a number of I'd hate to say it, like miscues, bad calls from Shanahan. You've got <laughs> You're being uh, nice. Of, yeah. Well, look, I mean, brain Jeepers. dead moments. Yeah, I mean, having Matt Ryan drop back to pass and breaking high every law of offensive football. Freeman with missing high tower on the blitz. Yeah, and then no, it, Trey Flowers sack. It took an act of God for the Patriots to win that game. That scenario doesn't play out again. No. If Atlanta plays three quarters of the game they played in Super Bowl Fifty One, this is a competitive game. I think the Patriots have enough new pieces or players that weren't on the field Sunday that they're actually going to want to get a piece of that pie, and they're not going to be thinking, well, we have to just make sure that we protect our Super Bowl 51 win. Cooks wasn't there. A couple of these guys on the defensive line, they weren't there. Gronk was not on the field. Right, right. I think the Patriots, and check me on this, but I think they're in a pretty good position for this game. I think it's the Falcons who feel the weight of the pressure, having blown that lead. The Patriots having dug out of that 14-0 early hole against the Jets. 4-2, and two, you know, I know it doesn't feel great by New England's standards, but this season, graded on a curve, it feels like they're, they're okay, and they're having a team that's going to come to them with a lot more going on than New England does. And, you know, the Falcons' defense has forced exactly one turnover the last three games. So if New England can take care of the football, I think they're going to have a, a, a pretty crisp, effective game. Sunday I'd much night. rather be coming in Sunday night having just overcome a 14 nothing road deficit than having blown a 17 nothing home lead. Against an anemic Miami Dolphins offense. Right, and you had a chance to put the Dolphins away for the season. Thanks a lot, Atlanta. Right, exactly. Yeah, this is a tough spot for them, and I'll tell you what, we talked about the ratings going down a little bit this year can't wait to see the ratings on Sunday night. That's yeah. I, Everybody's eyes are going to be on that one. I have to admit, when TV ratings uh, come before my eyes, my eyes roll back in my head and, and glaze over. But but I understand. It, it will be a, a, a huge number, I think, Sunday night. Thursday night, we already touched about Chiefs Raiders, but if it is Oakland's last stand, that, that could be another good Thursday night game, and there's been more of them this year than I can recall any recent year. Yeah. Competitive. It, Raiders don't win this game. They're they in got trouble. a tough slate. They got Pats, Broncos, Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles. Char they finish at Eagles at Chargers. This may be their swan song that early. Yeah, they might. They they need this one. First of all, they can't beat the Chiefs. That's been, I think they're one in five against Kansas City in the Del Rio era. That's been the team they couldn't get over. They didn't win the division last year because the Chiefs swept them 2-0, mm -hmm. and they both went 12-4. and So this is a huge game for Oakland and another home game. If they lose yet another home game, that it is going to get ugly out there. The other game that I actually find a little intriguing based on what happened last week, both teams winning, Cardinals at Rams in London. Do you understand this is dangerously close to the first time ever in the London NFL series that two teams with winning records will meet. It's the 3-3 three and three Cardinals against the 4-2 and two Rams. That's as good as it gets at Wembley. London's going to be, oh my god, it's not, it's not two terrible teams at the same time. And, and, and the wide-open NFC West. Was that Paul or was that uh, John? I don't know, John. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This Jared Goff is all right. Cardinals at Rams. Uh, what Cooper Cup. Quickly, here's yep. a pop quiz. What do the Cardinals and Rams have in common? Ding, St. Louis. Very well. You you would not have gotten that, I, I could tell. From I would have taken a second. Look in your eyes. I would have taken a second. But Cardinals and Rams, the Rams are a fun team this year. And the Cardinals, look, I was the first one to say Adrian Peterson, yawn. I don't care. He's done. And then he goes out and makes a mockery of me with 134 yards and two touchdowns. Look, I don't think he's going to do that every week. But for a week— he looked like he said he would look capable. What, what's the best thing that could have happened to Carson Palmer, aside from going to a retirement community in Florida and finding a bunch of cocoons in a swimming pool? <laughs> Getting a stud running back that he could lean on right. in absence of David Johnson. Right. And now here comes a pissed-off, 
motivated, fresh-legged, because he was wildly underused in New Orleans and didn't play last year. You get the fresh legs of Peterson that can lean on him, that'll give Carson, that's not going to put the ball in his hands to have to win the game all the time. And technically, even this is a road game, but it's, it's a road game for both of them at this point. Yes. I'm st- they could get back on track. I'm still gobsmacked by the cocoon reference because that movie was filmed in my hometown of St. Petersburg, Florida in the mid-80s. You so get right out of town. I'm serious. You just you just dropped a cocoon reference. Mm-hmm. Wilford Brimley and company. Pop me. culture runs deep in these waters. How about Saints-Packers? You had an interesting take on this game. It kind of feels like... It feels like a wild card weekend it game. It really does. I think we've seen this game somewhere. I, I, do, I do too, and I'll tell you, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I want to see if Hunley can, you know, piece it together the saints as i said over 500 three and two that hasn't happened since they finished 11 and five in 2013 and this defense three defensive touchdowns last year for new orleans that hadn't happened in the 51 seasons of new orleans saints football now the lions coming back and putting a bunch of points on the board late last week is that you know, zone D, prevent defense, late game slop touchdowns, or is that, oh, there there you were, New Orleans defense, hiding in plain sight. That's a little bit of the Saints D being the old Saints D, and it should scare you if you're a New Orleans fan. However, five turnovers, three defensive scores, that's got to carry the day, even though you let a 45-10 game become 45-38 very quickly. And how about the addition by subtraction with them as well? Getting rid of Adrian Peterson frees up that nice one-two punch they have with Ingram and Kamara, Kamara, and they went at it last week. I like that backfield now. I do too. And then we have Bengals at Steelers. Now, normally this is just like it turns into some sort of fist fight. Remember the playoff game a couple Mm -hmm. years ago that Cincinnati – just was bound and determined to Roger give Goodell away. is not the commissioner. Dana White subs in for this exactly. game. Exactly. It's usually kind of brutal. And there's usually Vontez Burfecht. He's usually in the middle of something. Pac-Man Jones loses his you-know-what Seem like a bunch of just misunderstood guys. But I do think, you know, if the Bengals are to have any, and they've showed some signs of life, if they're going to have any role in the AFC North this year, this is a game they have to they have to go get in Pittsburgh. Don, if I see from this game what I think I may see, which is not a lot of points, it's not a fantasy explosion, it's not Martavis Bryant feeling like he's finally fed, but if I see from this game what I think I'm going to see, this may affect my Super Bowl 52 pick. Wow. Yeah. You mean your repick? My, a repick. I may, I know you can't ask for a mulligan, but I may want to go to a separate window at the casino and hedge my bet. I kind of know where you're headed now. Mm-hmm. And I thought of that too, but I, I, I didn't um, follow you. Bengals Steelers division rivalry game, but it's, it's generally like 16 13. I want to see if the Steelers can follow up. Um, that impressive win at Kansas City, or are we going to ride the roller coaster, you know, with this Mike Tomlin club all year long? And then lastly, on Monday night, um, maybe the second best game of the weekend, Washington at the Eagles, the top two teams in the NFC East, Washington at three and two, Eagles at five and one, another chance for the Eagles to kind of show the, the NFL nation We've arrived. This is real. Coming off their Thursday night win at Carolina, and the rare eleven days rest, right? Which yeah. is which after a very physical game with the short turnaround on Thursday night in Carolina, that could heal a little bit of what ails them as well. I think this is, I think this is a bigger spot for Washington. Yeah. This is the kind of game if if Cousins is worth twenty five million a year, if the Redskins are to compete in the wide open NFC, show me. Yeah, this is a this is a bigger game for Washington. However, Philadelphia could pretty much put a stranglehold on the division with the oh. Giants being one in five, Dallas being two and three, and off this week. Um, this is not, you know, this is not a game the Eagles have to have, but if, it's a game if they get it. Um, everyone is chasing them in in the distance. You think the Seahawks, by any chance, coming into the Meadowlands for a four thirty tilt on Sunday, looked at a little bit of the film against the Broncos and thought. Well, they still have nobody to throw to, but they move the ball on the ground pretty well. Uh, do you think the Seahawks traditionally don't play nearly as well when they got to fly East across Coast, country, yeah. even, come, tricky, even coming off a bye? Tricky, tricky spot. Tricky game for Seattle. You're right, because the Giants probably have just a little burst of confidence. They they might get on a little, a little bit of a roll here. Um, you know, what didn't get played up as much was Ben McAdoo, offensive genius, handed over the play-calling duties to offensive coordinator Mike Sullivan. And, you know, I guess he doesn't get to keep the big 
laminated uh, Waffle House menu now at all times. In it's, front not of a che- it's not a Cheesecake Factory menu. Maybe he w- whittled it down to like a 99. I, I always go with the scrambled eggs with cheddar, um, white toast and, and bacon. But he looks like he didn't want to he didn't want to take that step but he did and he got success right mm-hmm. off the bat he got positive reinforcement so watch him now he'll be like you know he won't even wear a headset probably nope. next you know he'll just he'll just kind of be lingering over on the sideline smash mouth giants football baby i do think that's a tricky game for seattle but if if seattle is a team i think it is it'll go in and exert its will and that leads this is Nick's idea, everyone. Nick wanted to repick mm-hmm. after six weeks of a rather unpredictable NFL season. He wanted to repick our Super Bowl selections. So I'm going to let you go first. Well, let's, we'll see what the Seahawks can bring Sunday. You said that uh, your pick still remains unchanged. And, of course, I would love to see the pick that I made in the beginning of the year, which is Patriots Seahawks with the Pats win in the rematch. However, right now, sensing some tendencies, I see some trends. I think it's going to be the battle of Pennsylvania, wow! Down Philly, the down Pittsburgh. the That's right. I think I see. I, so you see Pittsburgh getting past New England. Uh, that that defense, uh, they went in. I know they're a match for Kansas City, but that looked like the defense that they've needed to play for a long time. They were all over the field Sunday. So you think they just they keep James Harrison under wraps for two or three weeks at a time, and then loose him? Yep. On in the game that they really need the pass rush. Mm-hmm. I need to see it longer than than just at Kansas City. Um, I did consider changing to Pittsburgh, but I'm going to stick with uh, Seattle over New England. That was my preseason pick. Again, I think the NFC is completely wide open now with the Aaron Rodgers injury. I, that, to me, gives me a little more confidence in Seattle. And New England, they're starting to put a few things together. I don't think it's going to be easy or pretty all year for this team. I kind of feel like they're playing the same game week after week after week. But if they come out and look really sharp against Atlanta at 5-2, and two, that's, going to, that's going to look pretty stout in, the, in today's AFC. Week 7 is officially the show-me Sunday of the 2017 season. Absolutely. All right, well, that's another episode of the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Nick, you got anything you want to shill uh, or promote? New episode of Pat Show up at facebook.com slash patshow6. Check it out. Well, you can watch me on Bank Shots, the segment on Patriots this week. I believe that's on Friday nights. And you can also read Snap Judgments on Sunday on patriots.com. For Don Banks and Nick Stevens, thanks for joining us once again on the Cover 2 Podcast. Talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 Podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Tucks it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. Diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.